Welcome to AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Michael Matsuda, the superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District. And uh, this program is all about the future, which is right now. Uh, big, big decisions and um, challenges facing our young people in the world of work, in the world of careers, and in the world of life. And today we're so lucky to have a very special guest, one of our higher education partners, Stephanie Reyes Tuccio, who is a, um, the Assistant Vice Chancellor of Education Partnerships at UC Irvine. And um, I wanted to start off, Stephanie, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank and you. I wanted to start off with uh, the, the question about you, you know, just your background, Growing up, you I know we know that you went to uh, UC San Diego. Oh, you started off at Fullerton College, transferred to UC San Diego, and you have your PhD from UC Irvine. And you uh, specialize in history, racial and ethnic uh, uh, relations during the 20th century. So um, what makes you tick? And tell us a little bit more about who you are, Stephanie. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, and I hope that something from my story or my ideas is useful to someone. Um, so I'm an Orange County kid, for sure, as you mentioned. I have grown up in both North and South Orange County. I grew up in Fullerton and then in San Juan Capistrano. And um, most people assume that since my passion and my work is with first generation students, that I was a first generation student as well. But I'm actually from a family of educators. So um, started off with um, my grandfather, who uh, his family immigrated from Mexico, as did my grandmother's. And um, he worked in all the fields. Those of us who grew up in Orange County remember that if you used to drive along the five freeway, all you saw were fields. Um, and uh, my grandfather picked all the crops from here to Seal Beach and went to a segregated school in Orange um, where he was going to be taught to be a handyman and the young women were taught to be domestics. And something got into him and he believed that he wanted to know more. So he was the first person that he knew that graduated from high school. And then he went to Fullerton College, or I'm sorry, he went to Santa Ana College and uh, actually became student body president of Santa Ana College. And then um, through a strange set of circumstances, um, made it to UCLA where he studied sociology and then went to um, USC where he received his master's also in sociology and used that education to argue against the then dominant ideas of racial um, and mental inferiority of Mexicans. So he um, was a community activist and leader and um, he and my grandmother uh, ran a settlement house. They were the directors and they lived in the settlement house in Pasadena um, for Mexican American immigrants. And my mother was raised there. And my mother became a teacher as well. And then a principal and a super assistant superintendent. And my father uh, was a first generation college student. And he, um, he became a teacher and he taught for 35 years in Buena Park. He was from Buena Park. Um, so I, it's kind of in my blood, but I, I certainly didn't start out looking to do this. Um, 
I went to Fullerton College and I became really passionate about ethnic studies and about racial and ethnic history. I was really um, in those years, uh, my late teens and early 20s, I was really very angry about the inequality and discrimination that I saw around me. And when I entered into that academic field, I understood for the first time that these weren't personal issues, that these were much larger structural issues, but that they had been created by people. Therefore, they could be deconstructed Mm. by us. And so um, the desire to, to intervene in that space is what sent me on my path, first at UC San Diego um, and then at UCI to study history. And that's what I originally thought I would be doing, was studying and teaching history, particularly racial and ethnic and gender history in the 20th century. And then midway along the way, I got involved in this, out. we called it outreach program, um, in the local schools. And I became really struck by the fact, one, that there we have so much to offer each other. We're so much better for it when we work with the schools. We have something to offer. The schools have something to offer us. We can only do these things together. Um, but also, I became really dissatisfied with just teaching the students who were sitting, who had made it into those seats, those privileged seats in the classrooms at UCI. And I started thinking that what I really wanted to do was um, I wanted to work to make sure more students had access to those seats that maybe wouldn't have been there before. Wow. So fast forward, um, you know, you're part of a team that has really um, made a difference at uh, a major university, UC Irvine, in terms of some of their accomplishments that uh, for for kids of color, for um, first generation immigrants, can you share with the audience some of the some of the work that you've been part of at UC Irvine? You know, um, I was lucky enough to follow a, a, my predecessor. Really, really laid the groundwork. So I have to start by giving credit where credit is due. Um, Dr. Juan Francisco Lara and uh, Dr. Manuel Gomez. We're both senior leaders at the university and recognized back in the 80s that there was a really important role for the university in working with our local schools to make sure that students from our own community and broader into South L.A. Um, who did not have the same opportunities that other students did had an equal shot because we really knew that we needed them. UCI needed them and all of the universities needed them. Um, so. They built these partnerships um, that I had the good grace to to get to to follow up on. Um, but, you know, they were working really hard and it was very it was slow going in those early years. When I came into the role um, just about um, 11 years ago, um, we were we kind of hovered at six to eight percent of Latinx students at the campus. And now we're at about 25, 26%. So, and many of the other campuses are also um, seeing those strides. So we've been able to really focus on our work with our schools to make sure that students have that, those opportunities and that preparation and that we're doing our part to work with schools in partnership with schools who are trying, who are working so hard 
to do to achieve these same goals. So it's doing it together, right? Um, as well as really looking at the support systems that students step into when they come to our campus. So I've been lucky enough to be part of um, there, there have always been a, a strong stable of programs that focus specifically on first gen and underrepresented students at the university, but we've gotten to do more um, focusing on undocumented students and really strengthening our resources for DREAMers. We've also gotten to, to work on food access and security and really try to intervene there to make sure that all undergraduate students have a have a basic standard of living that they can all count on um, and that they're not struggling because we know that a lot of those financial challenges can really impede their ability to um, to meet their degree goals. Um, and then also the things that connect with Anaheim, more and more programs to help students start getting exposed to the world of work and what's going to come after graduation, whether it's graduate school or directly into a career, because that's that's one thing that we have really noted is that particularly first generation and low income students who most likely do not have a family network and connections in the industry that they want to enter, they they often start at a disadvantage if they leave college with nothing but the degree and no experience and no relationships and and none of the um, kind of um, backstory or, or implicit knowledge about a career. So we've been working really hard to provide internships and opportunities for students to, to get exposure to the relationships and the industries that, that they're interested in joining. So a big university like the UC, right, which is mainly focused on research. So how do you, how are you, what do you, seeing that the university is doing to help shift the uh, and transform um, the educational experience at, uh, uh, at UCI in terms of aligning with this world of work? Because I know that you've done a lot of work in, in, in actually hiring young professionals and uh, trying to promote some of these uh, skills that are needed. Well, I'll talk a little, I'll, I'll give a, a few examples of, of what the university more broadly is doing. So in addition to working to provide more opportunities for in, internships and direct exposure into the world of work, even making it part of, of some degree requirements, um, there's also a couple other major initiatives that I think are, are helping students. One that UCI has actually been doing from the beginning is providing undergraduates the opportunity to engage in research. So um, this is something that many of the UCs, or most of them actually do now, but UCI began. It was typically thought that really you shouldn't be thinking about or being able to participate in research until you were a graduate student. But we pulled that back and it really needs to be part of the undergraduate experience too, to give undergraduates the opportunity not just to identify potentially places that they're passionate about that they may want to pursue, but also we believe they can actually create knowledge right now. They don't need to just be absorbing it. They can be part of that process. Um, And then the other is all the work around um, supporting um, entrepreneurship and seeing that students don't need to necessarily wait until they go to business school or wait until they leave the university. They can actually create, build, 
patent and grow businesses while they're currently um, undergraduate students. So we really put a lot of effort into providing those opportunities and support systems for students to experience both of those things that I think really can launch them into the world of work. And then in terms of, of my own work, um, the Center for Educational Partnerships, which is um, a part of my portfolio, we have over, we have about 318, I think, staff members right now. Um, and about half of those are student employees. So we have a lot of folks who are first um, job out of college or maybe the second. So we, I work with a lot of young professionals and I take really seriously um, the role of supporting and mentoring them. Um, having recognized that, you know, going, spending many years working through university administration, I realize that there are a lot of things that lead to your success that nobody tells you that you have to discover the hard way um, right. through mistakes. Um, and a lot of those things don't need to be learned that way. Um, so I try really hard to be um, very explicit and try to, to make visible kind of the, what, what we used to call the, the invisible curriculum. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of that um, really relates to, which is why I love our work, um, relates to the five C's. And it's very connected to understanding how to communicate. So students, they don't, they don't or young professionals get the job because they know um, they have some knowledge. But having knowledge doesn't necessarily make you successful if you don't know how to, to work with other people. So. Yeah, that is a big challenge. I know that you've talked about the, um, you know, the, the, the educational world has been put a, a lot of emphasis on the technical or the STEM skills, right? The STEM areas, the hard sciences and math, whereas, um, you know, leaders like you are, are saying, hey, don't forget about the liberal arts and the STEAM area. Right. Could you talk a little bit about that in, uh, in terms of our audience, because many of them are parents and they're concerned about jobs for their kids and, and they're thinking about STEM areas, right? Which we know that that's where the jobs are, but why is, are the liberal arts, uh, in your opinion, still so important? I really appreciate you asking that because this is something I feel very passionate about. Um, so a couple things. Um, one is, I think, you know, when you, I, I appreciate that, that Anaheim a lot of districts are looking very specifically at the technical skills that, that they believe are going to take students directly into a particular job. Um, one thing I'll note about that is that um, when you look at the way jobs and industries are changing so rapidly, um, I'll just say that um, I was required to learn how to program in COBOL, which mm -hmm. is an obsolete, right, language, um, computer programming wise. So this is an example of as soon as we teach students something very specific and technical, then the technology has changed. Mm -hmm. um, and the skills that you gain in liberal arts courses, in literature, in writing, in history, in philosophy, etc., of critically analyzing a problem, looking at an issue from multiple perspectives, building an argument out of evidence, 
synthesizing different information and being able to communicate complex ideas in, in different ways. Um, all these, all these skills are, uh, are broadly applicable in any field, no matter what changes. So even in terms of direct job skills, sometimes I think it's really un underappreciated what skills students gain in liberal arts courses that will carry them through life. The other thing I'll say is that, um, you know, all you have to do is turn on the television today to see the kinds of major challenges our country and our world are facing um, that are not necessarily going to be solved through technology or through a, a science course. Um, understanding the value of human beings across racial, gender, ethnic, religious, line, sexuality across different lines is really, I think, um, it's the major problem of our age. Um, and I, you know, for me, like the greatest example of this is thinking about um, the Holocaust and medical doctors who performed really inhumane um, experiments on Jewish people and understanding that it wasn't that they, those doctors didn't get enough biology courses. That's not what they were missing. And so I really believe that as we look forward, if we're not continuing to think about exposing students to literature and history and things that help them understand the world around them and other people, I think we're really, we're, we're doing the future a great disservice. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, I think that's that type of analogy with um, artificial intelligence and cybersecurity, right? Not having a grounding in ethics or understanding the interconnectedness of the world um, can be a big problem, considering a lot of the folks that are into artificial intelligence are um, pretty much, you know, the STEM folks, which are white males, right? That's what we see. So this is why I know that you're you're really trying to expand and the uh, the profile of the demographic of folks that come into STEM major. But you know, let's take it full circle. I mean, you started off as a ethnic studies, gender, uh, you know, major, and you have your PhD in that area. Why is that, do you think that's still relevant today um, in terms of, I mean, just going deeper into the, the liberal arts and the humanities? Why is it, why would, why does ethnic studies or uh, matter today, uh, do you think? Oh my goodness. Again, I think all you need to do is really turn on the television um, and you see that what, what is really stopping us from making the kinds of advances that we need to make is the ability for folks to understand and communicate and value one another. Um, I, 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 so do you th I think the question is, does ethnic studies divide or does it bring people together? I do not believe it divides. I think that's, I think that's a false narrative. I, um, I think that education is power. And I think that whether you are learning about it as I did um, from the standpoint of a minoritized group, learning to be able to value and understand your own history um, in ways that you weren't taught often in K-12 is, um, 
is incredibly empowering. Um, but I think it's equally of value for folks who are from a dominant group to understand a perspective that they've most likely never been taught or perhaps even exposed to in their network. Um, I think it's, I think ethnic studies um, can be the foundation of so much that we need in this world. Wow. Powerful advice uh, from the assistant vice chancellor of educational partnerships, Dr. Stephanie Reyes-Tucho. Uh, time really flew by and uh, hope to have you on again at some time to uh, continue this amazing discussion and to hear more about your amazing journey. Thank you so much. Thank you, Superintendent Matsuda. See you later.